Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Sojourn College podcast, where we engage in God's Word in a way that transforms us. My name is Kyle, and I have the opportunity to kick off our new series on doctrine. So for the next eight weeks, we will be going through eight core doctrines of the Christian faith, and we'll be examining them, reflecting on them, and I hope they will uh, challenge you and, and deepen your faith and deepen your relationship with God um, and that you can apply them to your life in a very real and intangible way. And so in this episode, I will be just introducing the series very briefly, and then we are going to go ahead and get started with the doctrine of the Word of God. And so uh, first, just an introduction, why have a series on doctrine? And so before we can even ask that question, we need to ask, what is doctrine? And so doctrine is traditionally defined as a belief or a set of beliefs and is predominantly used in reference to uh, the church or just a religious system of thought. Um, But I'm under the conviction, uh, just along with Dr. Greg Allison, that our doctrine not only includes true belief— or a belief, but also practice, right? Because what we believe about God, about the world, about ourselves is deeply interconnected uh, with the way that belief plays out in our lives, the way we practice what we believe. Um, And I think this is true even as we look to scripture, as we look to Paul. Uh, Paul addresses the church in his letters by addressing doctrinal issues and demonstrating how those deeply connect to or lead to a right practice, right? An example of this is in the book of Ephesians, how Paul outlines that we are all equally dead in our sin before um, before God, right? And both Jew and Gentile are both equally dead in our sin. We're both in need of Jesus, the forgiveness and the love of God in Christ Jesus. Like we all need his sacrifice, his imputed righteousness, and therefore, because we all stand equal before the foot of the cross there, Jesus has torn down the dividing walls of hostility between Jew and Gentile, right? And so we see that this right belief about who God is about the cross leads to an actual change in the way we live our lives, not only in relationship to God, but even in relationship with other people, right? And so Paul then urges them to walk in a manner worthy of that which they've been called to live and and to walk in this unity um, with God and with one another, Right, so I think it's of the utmost importance that we check our doctrine. And um, that's why I I wanted to have this podcast. That's why we as a staff wanted to have this podcast because we want you um, to think deeply about the things that you believe and see how your beliefs are actually connected to the way you live, right? And so I just wanna give you just two main reasons why we need to check our doctrine. And I think it's honestly because it affects the way we obey the two greatest commandments that Jesus gives us. First, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And I would say, if your beliefs about God are wrong, then you're not loving God for who he is. You're loving another idea of God, a God you've either made up in your mind or a God that culturally uh, people have agreed upon, right? And so we want to love God for who he truly is. And you cannot obey this commandment. You cannot truly love God if you're not loving him for who he has revealed himself to be. And so our beliefs about God deeply matter. It's not just a matter of subjectivity. And the second to uh, love your neighbor as ourselves, I just kind of have outlined the deep connection between what we believe and what we practice. And so if we're not checking our doctrine, most likely if our God is something other than God has revealed himself to be to us, then most likely we're not going to love our neighbor as ourselves. We're not going to extend forgiveness because our idea of God and and his forgiveness to us would be wrong. Um, And so I hope you see that connection. Um, And then I would also 
like to mention that a lot of what we will be doing in this study uh, will be systematic theology. And according to Wayne Grudem, systematic theology is the collection and then summary of the teachings of all the biblical passages on a particular subject, right? So in this episode, we will be looking at the Word of God, the doctrine of the Word of God, which is examining what the Scripture, what the Bible teaches about the Bible. And um, so systematic theology then seeks to faithfully summarize biblical teachings and then show their interconnectivity uh, with other subjects that are being addressed, right? And so we're going to see in this study, and I hope that you will see as you listen to uh, each podcast, you'll see that each doctrine is connected to the other doctrine. Like if we don't understand the word of God properly, then we're not going to understand God rightly. We're not going to understand Jesus rightly. And it's each doctrine is intricately connected to uh, one another. And I think a good image to think of uh, about the the nature of systematic theology is to picture a spider web, right? And so each thread continues to um, contributes to the stability and the integrity of the whole web that is woven together, right? And in, in a similar way, our doctrines are deeply connected to one another, Right. And, and as a fly gets caught in a spider's web and sends vibrations throughout the whole web. So if one doctrine um, is in error, if one doctrine is uh, misguided, this will send vibrations. It'll send a, it'll affect our whole system of theology, our whole understanding of God and the world um, and each other. And so all of that, all of that introduction into this series is to say this doctrine is of the utmost importance. Like doctrine is not just for seminary students. It's not just for pastors. It's not for monks in an ivory tower. Uh, It is for every believer uh, because it's simply what we believe about God, ourselves, the world, um, and what scripture reveals about uh, these things. And so uh, reflecting on doctrine is simply to reflect on God and his works and what he has revealed uh, about reality. And so doctrine is important. It affects our spiritual lives. It affects every aspect of our life. Um, and I hope that that this series will not just be an intellectual endeavor for you, but that it will contribute to your spiritual growth, that you will grow closer to God through this study, closer to your brothers and sisters in Christ through this study, um, and that ultimately it will lead to more joy and, and delight in God. All right, so that's an introduction to the series. Uh, I hope that um, you will just continue to engage in, and listen to it in a meaningful way. And so I'm going to kick us off with the doctrine of God. And so that's a really fancy way of saying what we believe about the Bible. So the doctrine of God is simply what we believe about the Bible. And I think there's there's much to be said here. Uh, there's whole books written, um, massive books written on this one topic. Uh, but I just want to kind of condense it down to um, just a quick yeah, 20 minute, 25 minute podcast uh, that you can engage with. And if you have any more questions on maybe some of the specific topics or subpoints in this podcast, please reach out to me or Jason or any of the other staff. Um, send us a message on Slack or if you have our numbers, please reach out. And so here we go. First off, some introduction to the Bible. What is the Bible? Uh, the Bible is an anthology. And an anthology is a collection of writings. And so the Bible, most of you probably know, is 66 books written by 40 authors over a 1,500-year time span written in three languages on three continents, right? And so that's that's a lot. The Bible, this book that we walk around with, this uh, one book, The Word of God, is this beautiful collection of writings that we believe to be inspired by God. Um, And so historically speaking, the Bible um, 
is by far, I just want to give you some more facts about the Bible. Historically speaking, the Bible is by far the most reliable ancient text we have. And so there are around 20 to 25,000 handwritten copies, ancient copies of the biblical text. And to compare and contrast this um, to show their reliability, we have only about, uh, of the like average Greek text and ancient texts, we have about 20 generally, right? And the closest to this is Homer's Iliad with around 600 copies. Um, therefore, I, I, I'm saying all this to say we can trust that the Bible we have, this collection of 66 books written by 40 authors over 1500 years, we can trust that this is a reliable manuscript. Like this is a, the, this is the words that were written um, by these authors over this time. And I think um, we don't really have time to get into all the apologetics and um, just all the debate around, you know, was the Bible change and, you know, playing the telephone game. I'm sure you've heard these arguments before, but I just want to simply say, comparatively speaking, the Bible is historically reliable and, and what we have um, is, is what was written. And so um, let's begin to unpack now some of the theological characteristics of Scripture. Now we're getting in, into really the more technical language of uh, the doctrine of the Word of God. And so first, I would like to say, um, and I, I'm going to say these these points in kind of affirmations, declarations of what we believe about the Scripture. Um, and so the first point is this. We believe in the inspiration of Scripture, right? And so what we mean by this is that God supernaturally inspired the authors of Scripture by His Holy Spirit to write exactly what God intended them to write. And this doesn't mean that God dictated or He possessed or was like, controlling and moving their hand uh, with every word um, and leaving them in a way devoid of consciousness. Rather, God worked through their unique personality, through their context in that time period, through their personhood uh, to bring about his word in a divine partnership, right? So what we can say that scripture is then both fully human, right? That Paul's letters were written by Paul, but it is also fully divine in that the spirit of God was moving um, and guiding um, Paul's words, right? And so some of the primary scriptures to support this teaching um, are 2 Timothy uh, 3.16 that says scripture is God-breathed, and then 2 Peter uh, 1.20-21, which says that men spoke as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And I know some of this can, we have to leave some room for mystery here to experience this tension, right? That scripture is fully human and fully divine. Um, and there's plenty more scriptures uh, to be read there, but um, I think we, we trust that, that God has inspired his word. Um, and second, we believe in the inerrancy of scripture. And positively put, we believe in the truthfulness of Scripture. So by an answer, we mean it's, it is without error. And so putting that positively, we believe that Scripture is true in all that it says. And so this means that um, in it as much as we, we believe that the Scripture is the Word of God, then it must correspond with reality. It must be true because God is true, because God is not a liar, because God can never lie, because that would be contradictory to his nature. And therefore, if scripture is the inspired word of God, then scripture is true in all that it says. It, it is, it is. so we believe in the truthfulness of scripture. Um, a little caveat, uh, caveat here, <laughs> I said that, I'm trying to say that fancy, uh, a caveat here, um, this is true, we believe this to be true of the original manuscripts, right? And so, um, the Bibles that we read in our hands uh, are not Greek and Hebrew, and they're not the original manuscripts. Uh, we, but we believe that the scriptures written by the original authors, the original manuscripts, were fully inerrant. Um, and yeah, 
inspired by God. Um, and as I was talking about earlier, though, we believe that we have faithful uh, copies and representation of Scripture. Therefore, we can trust that Scripture is inspired um, in that in its original content was without error. And we believe that what we have from Scripture is 99.9% what the authors wrote. Um, and so some scriptures to support this include Psalm 12, 6, Psalm 12, or Psalm 18, 30, Psalm 19, 8, Proverbs 35, John 10, 35, John 16, 13, John 17, 17, and Hebrews 6, 18. I know I'm just rattling that off. I don't have time to read all of those here, but um, these all just emphasize the truth and perfection of God and his word and what, what he speaks and what he, um, yeah, wrote through these authors. So... Uh, we believe that therefore, like when all things are known, when all things are considered, we believe that scripture in its original words and meaning um, is not contradictory and is true and is aligned with reality, uh, with things as they truly are. Um, and a, a possible rebuttal, this is kind of getting into the weeds here, is, is say, let's take an Old Testament number and say, you know, the writer of, of uh, scripture says that there were 8,000 in battle. And one would say, you know, are there actually, were there actually 8,000? Why wasn't it 7,999? Um, and to this, we would say that um, so much of the way we speak in common language, right? If, if I'm in a crowd of people, I'd say there are about 100 people here. And so uh, the inerrancy of scripture accounts for um, the author speaking based off of normal human experience. And so when we say the sun rises, we know that the sun literally isn't rising, right? The the earth is revolving around the sun and the sun doesn't rise in that sense. Um, but with the inerrancy of scripture, we believe that um, this is true of human experience. And therefore we can um, confidently say that scripture is true um, in, in all that it teaches. And so... Um, Next, we believe in the clarity and sufficiency of Scripture. And each one of these can be taken on their own, but I just wanted to, to speak about them together. And this means that though Scripture at times can be difficult to understand, and, and Peter even says this in his letter that, that some of Paul's teachings are hard to understand, um, but this means that overall the Bible is clear and understandable to all who humbly seek the Lord and depend on the illumination of the Spirit as believers. And then the sufficiency of Scripture means that the Word of God in um, in the words of God in the Bible are all we truly need to know God personally and to live the abundant and godly life that God has called us to. Um, and so this doesn't mean we should throw out all their books. I, I love some. We, there's so much to learn, and there's so many other helpful books um, about God, about His Word, about um, so many things. Um, but I think it does mean that we should properly exalt the scripture uh, as authoritative and sufficient uh, above all other books because it is God's word. Um, last or next, we believe that the scripture is authoritative. And so this means that as the inspired word of God, the scripture has the final say in what Christians are to believe and how we are to live. Um, so not the church, not one uh, person, but ultimately scripture uh, is authoritative and, and teaches us what is to be believed about God um, and about the world around us. And so Paul says in Galatians that even if an angel comes to you um, with another gospel or another word from God that deviates from his word that he's already revealed, he says, let him be accursed. Let him be cut off. Um, because we know that Satan can come as an angel of light, that that deception is very real and possible. And so um, we trust that scripture is the authoritative rule, the authoritative guide um, by which we gauge other um, 
thoughts about God and about um, about mankind. And so uh, the point is this: we always stand with Scripture and right, and not our subjective experience. And so um, we therefore appeal to Scripture as the highest authority because God is the highest authority because he will never contradict himself. Right. And I think even there in that language, we have to be careful. Scripture is not God. Um, but in, and as much as scripture is God's word, we can trust that it is authoritative and right because God has said it. Um, and he will not reveal to us anything contrary or contradictory to his word. Um, I think another central point here in, in this doctrine is that we as followers of Jesus believe what Jesus believed about the scriptures, right? I'm going to say that again. We as followers of Jesus, we want to follow Jesus in what he believed about the scriptures, right? And I think this is one of the most uh, compelling uh, in kind of really just hits home with me uh, as to why we believe the scripture is inherent, uh, inerrant and authoritative, inspired and clear and sufficient is because Jesus himself taught this about the scriptures and taught that he himself was fulfilling all the scriptures, right? In Matthew 5, 17 through 18, he says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. He says, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And for truly, I say to you, heaven and earth will not pass away. Um, I say to you until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. So Jesus constantly quoted the Old Testament. He constantly affirmed the Old Testament as the word of God, and he saw his whole life as fulfilling the scriptures. And he taught with authority, and he told his disciples that the spirit of truth will come, and he will guide them in all truth and bring to remembrance all the things that are, that have happened. Um, and even Peter refers to Paul's letters as scripture, as the word of God. And so we see over and over again throughout scripture, uh, through these passages, that scripture, yeah, that scripture is affirmed as the inspired, inerrant, clear, sufficient word of God that reveals to us who God is, what he's done in the world, who we are, how we are to respond. And it unfolds God's plan of redemption um, and leads us in relationship with God. Something I just want to say here, I think there's a temptation um, in kind of more Baptist circles, circles I grew up in to believe that the joke is that the, the Holy Trinity for Baptists is uh, the Father, Son, and the Holy Bible. Um, and I just want to say with that, the Bible is, is, is not God. It is the Word of God and reveals to us. It is God's revelation, His written revelation uh, to us about Himself, right? And Jesus is the Word made flesh. He is the physical revelation of God. And so we believe in the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we believe that the Bible it is the revelation of God's redemptive historical plan um, and how he redeems us. And of course, Jesus being the full and true revelation, the exact image of God, him being himself God. And so just a quick application here. Uh, as we uh, close, I want to quickly leave you uh, with this one thing. And that is this. Read your Bible as the word of God. Right. And that's simple. Of course, we all know. Read your Bible. Like we, we hear that over and over again, read your Bible, read your Bible. But my application is read your Bible as the word of God. Like we believe that the Holy Spirit inspired the scriptures. And even now, as you open your Bible, uh, either this morning, tonight, tomorrow, whenever it might be, we believe that God speaks through his word that he wrote. 
through these authors, right? And this doesn't mean like, this doesn't mean we don't study the Bible deeply. This doesn't mean we don't observe the historical context and use commentaries and all these other things. But I think one of the most important things we can do as we read scripture is have a posture of humility that seeks to know God through his word, believing that the same spirit that wrote those words through the authors is the same spirit that indwells in us and wants to work in us and make us more like Jesus, right? And so I hope that you would read the Bible, humbly approaching it, um, seeking to know God through his word, knowing that scripture, um, knowing scripture intellectually is not the goal, right? Knowing God, the father through the son, by the spirit, knowing the triune God of the Bible is the goal of reading the Bible, right? Relationship with this God whom we know and love, um, as he's revealed himself to us. And so I, I just urge you and compel you to have this posture, right? To see the Bible, not as a, as a, a roadmap an instruction manual, or even an emotional pick me up, uh, but to read the Bible as this compelling story of redemption, seeing how it directly applies to your life now, how it reveals who God is and that you would respond in faith, love, and obedience to God as he has actively pursued us and redeemed us in Jesus that he may be known and his glory may be proclaimed to all nations. And so um, I hope this this episode um, was encouraging, uplifting to you. I hope that it challenges you a little bit to, to dive into these topics, uh, to dive into the inerrancy and the inspiration of Scripture, to think deeply about these things. Um, man, and there's so much I didn't cover, so much to cover, so much to uh, continue to dig into. And so if you have questions, I can assure you that there are so many answers to your questions. Uh, so please reach out. Thank you for listening to the Sojourn College podcast and um, be looking out for the next episode next week. Peace.